Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. And here we are on a Monday. Where it's just hot as balls out. It is fucking... I have no idea what to even make of this. Like, 90 degrees and everything else is just... Ugh. It's like that moment where you want, you know, fall and winter to come again. And as soon as fall and winter arrives, you're like, fuck, you want it to be warm again? That's exactly how I'm feeling in this particular state. But nevertheless, we're still doing our thing. We're still doing our thing proud, my guy. Fucking proud. (laughs) That's neither here nor there. Today on the episode of the podcast, we are going to do the Doom Patrol Season 2 review. Now, I'm going to talk about what I liked, what I didn't like. uh, Go on in terms of what I think is going to happen in the near future for Season 3. Considering that this season was abruptly ended thanks to COVID. Mm. But... Even though there will, it's like a mild review, there will be spoilers. There will definitely be spoilers. So if you've never seen the show or have no idea what the fuck it is I'm talking about, go and watch Doom Patrol. If you haven't seen Season 1, what the hell are you even doing? What are you doing? Go see Season 1. Go see Season 2. And also, we're going to talk about a little bit of a, a picture from Zack Snyder or Warner Brothers. Whichever gave to us. About Steppenwolf. And uh, very cool and unique design. I would say so. Now, I know I did say on the last episode that I wanted to do a review for Stargirl. But unfortunately, because I came home so late, I couldn't have the chance to actually watch the season finale of the first season. And on top of that, I feel like for me to review Stargirl, I'm going to have to slowly dissect what I truly thought about it. Because for some odd reason, this wasn't the type of show that I would just, where my brain is constantly on and I'm just thinking about a lot of things. Like for some odd reason, my brain was mostly turned off from this season. And I think it's because I didn't really care as much. And I know that's a wrong way in how to think about this, but I'm just being honest. Nevertheless, that review will come. I'm going to dissect it as best I can. I'm going to give an actual thorough review Possibly on Thursday. We'll see what happens. All of that plus our super villain quote of the day. But first, like we always do about this time, let's get our shoutouts out of the way, shall we? And oh my goodness, do we have a shout-out where we got fucking this. Rock Steady says to us that we are going to get the Suicide Squad game. And you see the picture of Superman with a target at the back of his head. Dude, first of all, I'm a huge fan of the Batman games. I'm sure many of you are as well, but god damn, it's great to be a fucking video gamer right now for comic book games. I mean, think about it. We got this game that's now in development. We got Spider-Man Miles Morales coming in December. We got the Avengers game coming in. If you have if you have played the beta uh, version, don't tell me anything. 
I don't want to know shit. I think I already found a, a plot point where I did not want to know about it. And I'm kind of pissed at it. But it's like I predicted. As soon as a game comes out or a movie or a show or whichever. Someone is always going to fucking spoil it on YouTube. And it fucking sucks. But, but nevertheless. Games are coming out. I think Spider-Man 2 is coming out next year. We got... Uh, the Batman game, we have the Suicide Squad game, and chances are we're going to get a new teaser next weekend on the DC Fandom. So remember, DC Fandom, the virtual Comic-Con, all DC related for 24 hours. Mark your calendars down, my guy. Mark your calendars down. 24 hours, unlimited content. We might get exclusive shit. We might get interviews that we've never heard of before. Teaser trailers, movie trailers, show trailers. Possibly a new comic book line. Like we're going to have so much shit for DC Fandom. And I can't fucking wait. Now part of me wants to do a live video on YouTube. As a type of reaction thing. But I'm not going to do that. I am going to enjoy it my own way. Hopefully I'm not working that day. I'm going to enjoy it my own way. And I want you guys to enjoy it too. And that Monday after that. I'll talk about what it is that basically has arrived. What it is that I missed. And so on and so forth. So we'll happen. We'll see what happens with that. Nevertheless, DC Fandom next weekend. This is going to be an epic moment. It is going to be epic. I am excited. I can't fucking wait. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Shout out to Rocksteady for now developing the Suicide Squad game. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I do believe there is a strong chance that the comic book storyline between the Suicide Squad versus the Justice League could be extremely interesting. I mean, maybe it's an evil version of the Justice League. Can you imagine? Oof. Probably be seeing like that movie Apocalypse War all over again, only this time they're facing against each other. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Can't fucking wait. Shout out to Rocksteady. Now that we got that shot out of the way, let's go to our Doom Patrol Season 2, our review. That comes up right in a bit. First and foremost, I know a lot of people were somewhat pissed off over the nine episodes that happened, especially from the first season that that featured 15 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. But due to COVID, due to COVID, you know, I can understand why they had to rush the production and I can understand why they had to give us what they gave us. But, you know, I can't really fault the showrunners for that. Anyway, Doom Patrol season two. Where do we start with this? Where do we start with this? You know, without sounding extremely formal to say the least. Okay. So, this season was centered around Dorothy. The young girl that from the first season is was depicted as this dangerous figure that could bring the end of the world. And we try to think to ourselves, why the hell is this girl so dangerous? 
and from her father, Niles Calder, has been trying to keep her literally from growing up. She's over 100 years old, and she's in the body of an 11-year-old. What do you expect? (laughs) But apparently, she has the capability of making her imaginary friends real. And one of these friends is this entity, this dangerous entity called the Candlemaker. And as soon as he reaches into the physical world, all of a sudden, he is destroying everything. He's melting everything. He could literally bring the world to its knees or to its wax. I tried to make a joke there that was completely terrible. (laughs) Uh, I tried to make a terrible joke. But this season was centered around them. It was centered around the idea of family. And very specifically, it's centered around the concept that these parents are trying to rekindle their relationship with their children. Case in point, let's look at Cliff, for example. For um, Robot Man, by the way. Played by Brendan Fraser, phenomenal actor. You know, you remember him, George, George, Georgia of the Jungle, that guy. Anyway, from the first season, he's been trying to see if he could restore that relationship that he had with his daughter. Because a long time ago, before he became a robot, he fucked up in so many ways. And we see at the ending of the episode, the ending of the season, where his imaginary friend, a form of Jesus, he's basically telling him that... He wants to be the father that his dad was never was to him. And I thought that was very interesting character development because we just thought from the entire first season and the second season that he was just a piece of shit and that he regretted for what he's done. But by including that character development with his past and the fact that his old man was never there for him, he's trying to ensure that he doesn't make that same mistake towards his daughter. So he's trying to rekindle that relationship towards her and I thought it would be a great ending towards uh, at the ending of the second season where he can actually go to her wedding, see, you know, the baby being born and, you know, finally be the father that he wanted to be for so long. Unfortunately, duty calls because shit is hitting down, shit is hitting the fan and the Doom Patrol is re assembled when I was about to say rekindled <laughs> you know take a shot every time you you hear the word rekindled no, don't take a shot I, I don't want I don't want no problems here reassemble together in order to ensure that they have to save the day no matter what and before I continue on that's what the main theme about this show the show from its entirety from the first to the second it's the idea that these characters that we're attached to so much so heavily Because of their fucked up traumas and their fucked up past that makes them who they are today. And they're trying to cope with the traumas that they've dealt with in order to ensure that they can somehow move on with their lives. And actually learn from them and become better people. And we see this with everybody. Going and, you know, coexisting with the idea of you know, parents rekindling with their children. Let's look at Larry, negative man. You know, the guy in the bandages. After realizing that his son died, he wanted to make amends with his other son and his family. And he wanted to make amends. He wanted to see if he could, you know, 
respawn that bond that he had with his son and his family and the fact that his son has a son of his own. He has grandkids as well. So Larry is a great-great-grandfather. A great-grandfather, my bad. A great-grandfather. And of course, you know, the son doesn't allow it. He's like, yeah, fuck yourself. I'm going to call the government agency to snatch you away and take you away where you belong. Why is it that in many superhero shows and movies, you always get a government agency that wants to take over and just, you know, do whatever the hell it is they want to people of supernatural abilities? Why is that? Huh. I that, that I know that's a very cliche thing, especially when it comes to superhero content, but I feel like that's an idea that's been extremely overplayed. I have to write a script about that. But anyway, so that's Larry's perspective. Then you have, well, in a particular way, the other three doesn't really follow the same idea of family with their children, but it's kind of connected. Cyborg, from the first season, he's been wanting the approval of his old man. Well, I wouldn't say the approval, but... He wanted to become his own independence and he did not want his father to control him because, let's face it, he is half man, half machine. Well, in this season, his dad really had nothing to do with it. Even with the final episode that his imaginary friend is a figment, a representation of his father. His name is uh, Mr. or Dr. Cowboy or something like that. And with his subplot, Cyborg subplot, it's simple. He falls in love with a woman that has a fucked up past as well. And now he has to decide between being a superhero, doing the right thing, which he does, and trying to stop her even though he's completely fallen in love with her. So it kind of makes you think, you know, I, I really wished, and this is why this season should have been expanded to at least 15 episodes, but obviously due to production issues, COVID and everything else, that didn't happen. I really wanted to see, or at least drag on a little bit more, that Cyborg would have this moral dilemma of choosing to be the righteous superhero, a member of the Justice League that he is, versus his love for this woman. Versus his feelings that are so strong that it defies logic for him in all aspects. I feel like that would have been much more of a dynamic for him. But obviously due to rush productions, that didn't really take place. I hope we explore a little bit more of that in the third season because I have to admit, in this season, it was probably the second weakest subplot. The first one is this one. Rita Farr, the blob, the stretchy woman. Or Miss Miss Incredible. Not really Miss Incredible. <laughs> That's, that's the only thing that can come to my head whenever she stretches. She kind of had two mini subplots that were trying to go together. And obviously, like I said, due to production, that didn't happen. The first subplot was this. So, with Rita Farr, she is trying to overcome the trauma that she's dealt with after seeing her mother getting it in. Make a little love and get down tonight. With a producer or director of a movie in order for Rita in order to get the part that she was supposed to get. So that resonated with her throughout her entire life. 
And it's one of the main reasons why she is the way she is. Now, it's one thing with her in, in order to overcome this trauma to let go to what she suffered from what her mom did. And yet, they also included of her trying to become this newbie superhero. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I understand the motivation with the mother thing. What's really the motivation for her to be trying to try to become a superhero? What is the motivation there? Is her motivation trying to prove her mother wrong? Her, uh, uh, to try to maybe gain her own independence? To see if she can actually use her powers for good? To maybe see if she can actually define herself as someone that's not a mistake, that is not controlled by what her what her mother does that she actually wants to help people like what was her really main motivation in that aspect like I feel like again rush production I feel like they did not really tell that story very very well and they tried to combine two subplots together that really did not mesh very well so in terms of the weakest subplot in in the entire season Rita's is probably the first one. Cyborg is the second. The main one that really captured my attention out of all of them is Crazy Jane. I love Crazy Jane. I think she's a fascinating character played by Diane... Um, Sorry if I'm, mis- I'm mispronouncing the name. Diane Guerrero. Guerrero. You know, fascinating person. Awesome character. Characters, you know, with her 64 personalities. She could easily switch from one to another just like that. And it's fascinating on how she acts. Towards the ending of the season, she sees that there's a possibility that the main primary, the main personality, the little girl K, is most likely getting better. And one of the personalities, after a tragic event of what happened with a couple of other personalities due to the candle maker, this character, her name is Miranda, shows up. And according to the show, she's probably one of the most complete personalities. Very strong, very logical, very calming. Very, I would have to say, more stable than Jane ever was. And you could see it throughout a few of the episodes. They, um, You know, the other characters enjoy her company. She cooks. She, you know, uses logical reasoning and things like that. So there's no surprise that Miranda is like one of the strongest main primaries. And yet, at the ending of the season, Miranda is not who she appears to be. Miranda is most likely an imposter for someone else. And there's a lot of theories to this. I think it's some kind of manifestation that has to do with Jane's father. I think it has something to do with... Because after the Candlemaker comes into the underground and literally wrecks shit in you know, against a couple of the other personalities within Jane's own mindset, all of a sudden Miranda shows up after, and it's way too much of a coincidence for that to even happen. Now, like I said, is this a part of the Candlemaker's doing, or is this a manifestation of her father posing as Miranda, a fake Miranda? And I think it's that second one that I just said the father posing as as the fake Miranda because if you remember it at the very end where the little girl Kay looks up at her and goes 
who are you? And the fake Miranda goes, oh, sweet, sweet baby. And I'm like, ooh. Because if you remember from the first season, if you watched it, if you remember from the first season, don't want to move my microphone. If you remembered, the father always says, sweet, sweet baby, or sweet baby sugar cakes, whatever the fuck he's fucking said. Sugar cakes. Sweet, sweet baby. That would be his main thing that he would say. So I'm willing to bet it has something to do with her dad. Overall, what did I think about this season? Well, it was not as strong as the first one. We can all admit and we can we can all admit that. There were a bunch of funny moments. I thought the whole orgy sex fiasco dead people having sex at one thing that I really love about this show, it's wacky, it's funny, it's stupid in certain times, it's heartfelt, and it's it has so many emotions bottled up together. And that's why I love this show so much because you can resonate with each character and you can follow each episode as it plays along because you don't know what's going to happen next. You really don't. And that's what makes this show extremely fascinating. That's why I love this show and I cannot recommend it highly enough. This show is fucking awesome. Second season, overall, it was not as strong as the first. It did have enjoyable moments. It did have... It it, it allowed me to get more attached to the characters as they are trying to overcome from their past traumas. What do I think is going to happen in season three? Well... At the ending of the second season, we see Dorothy put on the red boots and then she's off to battle to go against the candle maker. Which, by the way, I do have to commend them for actually doing a reference to Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Because she's named after that character from The Wizard of Oz. And she uses the red boots, which is a direct reference to the red shoes that Dorothy, that she clicks her heels three times and she says, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, and then she goes back home. So I'm guessing that in the third season, she's somehow going to beat the candle maker and use the red shoes as a way for her to come back home. You know? And also, I love the reference around, I think it was episode three or four, when she actually sings the Willy Wonka song. You know? Um... Come with me and you'll see in a world of pure imagination we'll be there. (laughs) I can't sing for shit, but I really, really love that episode. And the thing about Dorothy and, you know, I, I know I'm going on and on in a spout like this. I really enjoy Dorothy's character. I was never really a strong advocate for child characters for young characters that are children um there are a couple of exceptions to this like stranger things and you know it the movie it i've found phenomenal acting from all of them dorothy really sold it for me i think that she you know despite her look despite her abilities despite all of the shit that she went through in her life she's genuinely pure And she's trying to do the right thing. She wants to love her father, but she also wants to become a grown-up. 
She doesn't want to stay a kid for a long time, but she also knows that she doesn't want to disappoint her father. And of course, her father, getting rid of that immortality trinket, is fucking dying. So, I honestly believe in the third season, we're going to get the end of Niles Calder. I think it's going to be his end. If not him, then maybe the fourth, if there will be a fourth. I think Dorothy is going to do more in terms of trying to fix the mistakes that she brought upon everything else. Thanks to the candle maker and thanks to everything else. And, you know, thanks to everything else in between. I really, even though this season wasn't strong as well as the first, I did like it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters. And I can't wait for season three to arrive. Because that season just ended so abruptly and I'm like, oh man, I just wanted more. Fucking hell, I just wanted more. But in any case, that's what I thought about. So, I know we're almost out of time, but in continuing on, we get a picture from Zack Snyder himself on Steppenwolf. And, uh... It looks really good. It looks genuinely, genuinely good. Like, if you can see the pictures, you can see the Snyder Cut Steppenwolf as opposed to Joss Sweden's cut, and you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck was Joss Sweden thinking? And then I have to think to myself, oh, my microphone again. And then I have to think to myself, is that Joss Sweden's decision, or is this the, uh, the decision from Warner Brothers? You know, that's... That's, that's something that needs to be addressed. I really hope one day, and I know people are going to keep bashing Josh Whedon for the choices that he made about Justice League, but I actually spoke about this in one of my previous episodes. I feel like it's a little unfair for us to continuously bash Josh Whedon for his choices when he only had so much to work on taking care of someone else's project. I feel that you know, whatever decision he made, I feel like we should hear him out that maybe he should give like, you know, an exclusive interview and actually decide, not decide, but talk about why he made certain changes the way he did. Was he trying to be similar to the Avengers? Was he trying to make it more family friendly through his own vision? Was it under the direction of Warner Brothers? Was he trying to do something new? Was he trying to do something that he believed was right? Was he trying to get away from Zack Snyder's vision completely? Like, I genuinely want to hear what he has to say. And I understand, you know, there are a lot of actors, you know, that a lot of fans... A lot of people that, you know, wants to fucking beat the shit out of him and hit him to a bloody pulp. I get that. But at the same time, I feel like I want to hear from his side. There are always two sides to every story. There are always two sides to every coin. I want I genuinely am interested to hear his side. And even if his side is the most worthless piece of shit. Of an excuse that we would ever hear where his ideas were dumb and stupid. At least we will be able to get that confirmed. And that's all I want to say as opposed to that. In terms of the picture. Does it get me excited to see the movie next year? Eh. It didn't increase my hype. But now I'm interested to, now I'm interested to see what other changes Josh Sweden has done. 
and I genuinely want to see how the movie was supposed to be. And that's all there is to it. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching our third video on YouTube. And of course, you listeners out there, all of yous in your homes being self-quarantining and everything else in between. If you guys want to hear more, I don't know why I just had a brain freeze. I, <laughs> I don't know why I had a brain freeze. But in any case... If you like what you hear, continue to follow, subscribe, share, do all those magical buttons that's in the comments section below. Something I don't know what kids do on now on YouTube. Sort of. I, I don't I'm an old man. I'm 30. I'm an old man. Anyway, like, comment, subscribe, share, tell everyone you know that this podcast is gonna go straight up to the stars. And then come right back down and bring one. And go back out there and do it again. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit me up on OTC Volume 2. And if you want to get a hold of me directly in my other uh, Twitter handler, the MG Voices. That is my Twitter handler for when I do or talk about things in terms of voiceover, in terms of MM, uh, MMA content. Or, you know, that's just me personally. But the podcast Twitter, OTC Volume 2. And the second one, The MG Voices. as T-H-E-M-G-V-O-I-C-E-S. Obviously, it's for you guys and, and the, uh, you know, the audio. Not watching YouTube, watching the audio. And, uh, you know, my phone has been buzzing for a while. I, and, ooh, whoa, <laughs> breaking news. What, what the... Sorry, I'm, I'm, I got a, I got a breaking news from DC Direct, you know, Twitter. This this does that all the time. And uh, oh, whoa, DC Comics, DC Universe hit by major layoffs. The majority of staff of the streaming service DC Universe has been laid off, as has editor in chief Bob Harris and multiple other executives on the publishing side. What? Oh my goodness. Wow. I I honestly did not expect that. I honestly did not expect that. I I, I am speechless. Holy shit. DC Comics. Wow. I mean, we knew that there were a bunch of layoffs from other major companies and stuff, but nothing like this. And less than two weeks before the DC Fandom event happens, hold up. Let, let me let me scroll a little bit more here. I I, I gotta I gotta read more in, in into this. Holy shit! Let's see if I can find it real quick. Insiders also say the majority of the staff of the streaming DC Universe has been laid off, a move that had been widely expected as Warner Media shifts its focus to new streaming service HBO Max. DC Universe was dead on arrival as soon as the AT&T merger happened, said one source. Fucking hell. So, if that's the case then chances are they're going to get rid of the DC Universe streaming service very soon since the majority of their 
products are on HBO Max, and HBO Max belongs to Warner Media. Um, God damn, I really don't want them to get rid of that. I, I don't want them to get rid of the DC Universe. I I read a lot of my comics there. A lot of the shows like, you know, Supergirl and Titans and Doom Patrol and all the other shows. And I understand they're on HBO Max now, but they started at that platform. I feel like you're doing a lot of people a huge disservice if you cut it off. Fucking hell, that's one hell of breaking news. Huh. First time this happened on this episode, and like I said, I rarely keep my phone on, so I apologize to the listeners if I'm feeling, if I'm, you know, seeming a little bit choppy. God damn! But anyway, I'm I'm gonna have to talk about more on that on Thursday. Like, Jesus. Okay. Before we end this night off, let's go to our super villain quote of the day. Maybe we can get some kind of clarity. Due to someone else, I mean, Jesus, like, I, 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 I'm still speechless. I really am. I'm still speechless. Holy crap. Anyway, so this one is from Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody, one of the main villains, the main villain for the DC Universe DC Universe. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm sorry. I keep on thinking about the DC Universe and possibly it's going away. Shit, man. Fuck. I really hope they don't get rid of it completely. I really don't. Anyway, Mister Nobody from the first season of Doom Patrol, and his quote: "It's like one of those main things where you think to yourself, all right, well, let's see what happens, and you're like." Fuck. I I swear, it's all about control. It really is. The worst thing about not knowing your own past is that you're doomed to repeat it. And my reaction to that is this. If there's one thing that we've learned about certain companies, and if there's one thing that we've learned about major corporations, especially when it comes to AT&T, Warner Brothers, the MCU, Marvel, or whichever the case, maybe they should learn from their mistakes before they do something new. And I know I'm forcibly tying myself or that statement into what the breaking news just happened, But, how about you learn from your past before you do something new like launch a new streaming service and then all of a sudden you're going to get rid of it within a couple of years. And if you don't know about your past, that means you're kind of ignorant. That's all I got to say about that. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Tune in Thursday night where we will do our Star Girl review We'll talk more about this breaking news that just happened. And that's all there is to it. Stay safe. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.